132 of Amari Purple Talk, the podcast that talks about everything Prince, Prince-related artists, music, videos, everything in the purple world of the purple musical singularity. I'm your host, Richard Cole, and this is the final episode of 2022, and we're just on the on the preposis of 2023 and hopefully that will bring an exciting year of Prince news and hopefully the Netflix documentary hopefully an, an announcement of some kind of release box set standalone studio album reissue hopefully something um, I know I've had requests to do a sort of, in, you know, end of the year recap, uh, but there really hasn't been a lot to recap this past year. Um, I know we started off pretty, you know, we started off okay. Uh, the Sony reissues, um, which, you know, didn't consist of the entire catalog, really even the entire 80s catalog. Um, but, you know, a few key releases from that classic 80s era um, were reissued. So at least the good thing about that is that it's in the marketplace. It's available in all retail outlets, you know, not just your used record store or anything like that. So that material is out for everyone, you know, fans that need to replace lost items or worn out items, you know, new fans to come in or it has, you know, the chance for some fans to finally have, you know, some of their favorite classic 80s albums on CD once again and vinyl and, you know, um, I went and got most of the, I think I got most of, if not all of the reissues on CD. Uh, I did get um, Dirty Mind and Controversy on vinyl. Uh, so hopefully 2023, I'll try to get the rest of that on vinyl uh, to kind of just, you know, be a completist in that area. Um, but yeah, after that, there really hasn't been anything. Oh, well, no, take that back. There was the gold experience uh that was reissued finally um i know listeners of amari purple talk since season one you know we've been campaigning hard for that to finally see the light of day and thankfully i've got that reissue and the vinyl um issue that was done for record store day earlier this year and we have seen the, I guess, the Prince Estate, the sort of transfer of control from Comerica Bank to the 
remaining heirs that retain control of their shares in the estate, as well as primary wave, which over the last year, two years, have acquired the other 50% of the estate. And all has been quiet. I'm going to get into that a little bit later. Um, but like I said, you know, it kind of, you know, explains why we haven't had anything for the second half of 2022. So therefore, like I said, there's not really much to do a year in review um, for this year, you know, unlike, you know, previous years. And, you know, those pre, you know, five, six, some odd years, you know, um, despite whatever feelings anyone had with the way Comerica Bank was running things, uh, a lot of it was motivated by really eliminating that tax debt. Um, because, you know, with no will, you know, then, you know, here comes the tax man and all of that stuff. And, you know, you also had where early on, you know, there were deals that were made originally. Uh, Universal uh, was going to be the license holder uh, for the entire Prince catalog. Uh, but, you know, Warner Brothers stepped in and said, well, no, nah, you know, here's a deal we signed with Prince when he was alive. Um, this is technically in effect until 2021, you know, so we're going to, you know, hold you to that and that caused Universal to back out. Um, but the estate made a deal with Sony that gave them the licensing rights, uh, for everything from 1995 to, you know, 2015, 16 and once 2021, you know, January 2021 or whatever the effective date, then the classic Warner Brothers material, then they would be in a position to license that material. So here we are with Sony being the, at least in the United States anyway, the license distributor, manufacturer, or whatever of Prince musical product uh, for the entire catalog minus, you know, the film soundtracks, Purple Rain, Parade, Graffiti Bridge, and Batman. So, you know, with, of course, you know, this is a business. So, you know, Warner Brothers, while they were still in control of the classic Warner Brothers stuff, again, you know, if Previous listeners of Amari Purple Talk, season one, season two, you know, we season three even. You know, we kind of even, you know, we talked about how, hey, you know, they've got this stuff. They've had a contract with Prince when he was alive. So to come out with a 1999 Super Deluxe, to swing for the fences, so to speak, and drop a Sign of the Time Super Deluxe. You know, yeah, they needed to, you know, capitalize on that investment. You know, they had to basically, I don't know, honor that contract in a way. Or the reason why they spoke up 
you know, when the Universal deal was originally made. It was like, no, you know, you got this opportunity to, you know, make money. And, you know, again, since then, uh, a lot of the Sony distributed stuff, you know, it's, I don't know, it's been, I guess, met with a lot of controversy or the lack thereof or, you know, coming out with reissues but not remastering them. But you can't hold Sony at fault for that. You know, they're only there to license the material. You know, the decisions are made by the estate to say, hey, you know, or they have to sign off on, okay, well, yeah, go ahead, put that out. Go ahead, don't put that out. You know, whatever the decision is. And, you know, now while I can do an entire episode of, you know, what I don't like, what's going on, or what I think should go on. Um, I don't know. You know, the, a lot of the the silence from the estate, um, what certain areas of the estate being merchandise. I don't know who's calling the shots on that. Now, I mean, obviously, it's got to be Primary Wave and you know, the remaining uh, Nelson heirs of the estate. But, you know, I know it's caused a lot of division, um, you know, and a lot of, I guess, you know, toxic fans, you know, which is something we've seen quite a number of. I know within sort of the Prince world, we've seen factions of that um but they were sort of limited to certain platforms you know now we kind of live in this age to where you know we have twitter we have facebook we have all these other platforms you know in which to you know you know give someone's opinion um but, you know, over the last five or six years, too, you know, we've seen things like Star Trek and Star Wars. We've seen these sort of toxic fans come out. Um, now, Marvel, DC, we've seen this sort of toxic stuff go on. And, you know, really, it's a bit of, you know, small group of people. You know, it doesn't represent the overall fan base. Now, I get it. In the case of Prince and what's going on or what's not going on, it's frustrating. You know, it's, you know, you want product, you know, you want the music, you know, you want the stuff from the vault and you want it now. And for previous episodes, you know, I've given the comparison to other estates that have had either similar legal issues, you know, or, you know, situations to where even if things ran smoothly, you know, it takes a long time to get that material out. Um, there have been some shining examples of uh, Bruce Springsteen, that website providing unreleased material, um, Neil Young, um, that, 
based on the suggestion of a number of Amari Purple Talk listeners. I checked that out, signed up for it, and you know I enjoy the wealth of material that's available on that platform. Um, but you know, not every estate runs the same way, you know. But the Neil Young, that's a shining example. Uh, Hendrix, since season one of Amari Purple Talk, I've championed as among the gold standards of what a, you know, the Prince Estate should take some notes from that and how they deal with released and unreleased material. Um, some of the quote unquote bootleg stuff that may not be big sellers to the mainstream audience but to the fan base you know it's a gold mine you know the whole dagger records subsidiary for the hendrix estate you know that's all just quote-unquote bootleg stuff demos um some of it was recorded by fans and they made you know i guess some kind of deal to buy the tapes or license the tapes you know, I don't know all the ins and outs about it, but a couple of those live recordings, you know, those are the only things that are available is what, you know, some fan with a huge tape recorder, you know, a little two track thing, reel to reel, you know, set up. And that's the only existing recording. So they've made deals for that to happen, you know, and yeah, but there's so many examples like i said covered a lot on previous episodes not going to rehash all of it today um but i get the need for wanting you know just sort of pretty packaging you know i've sort of seen people like oh i bought this bootleg you know and this isn't available and the estate should put this out and that's cool you know it's just, just you know like i said we have this need to want pretty packaging now hopefully you know you're not getting charged a overwhelming amount of money for these things um but you know that's been kind of the nature of bootlegs and hopefully the quality is up to you know satisfactory standards now like i said not condoning it or condemning it but like i said i get the need for pretty things and I get, you know, the frustration, you know, it's like you want to hear that live recording from 1988 and, you know, the estate is like, well, here are these nice, neat scarves you can buy, <laughs> you know, uh, here's this brand new quilted, you know, comforter that you can get. You know, it's not the same. It's, it's not the same. Now, you know, granted merchandising across the board is an important comp component and yes the music is the absolute most important part of it um but like i said i you know i have no inside information on what's happening or what's going on um like i said it's sincerely my hope that there is a plan now, my personal frustration is, you know, I've been listening or keeping an eye on 
you know, what's been going on with the DC films, um, with Warner Brothers, you know, as a film company in general. And since the owner of Discovery, David Zaslav, has taken over Warner Brothers, um, in addition to just cleaning house and, you know, it seemed like every week there was, or every other day, you know, this project's canceled, that project's canceled, you know, this executive fired, you know, well, is why are we giving Clint Eastwood $300 million to do what? And that movie didn't make how much? Okay, you're fired, you're fired. And in addition to just cleaning house, there's a mandate, you know, here's Warner Brothers that owns DC Comics. You know, um, David Zaslav mandates that, hey, you know, DC Comics should have its own movie studio, just like over Disney. You know, you have Marvel, that's its own thing. Lucasfilm, that's its own thing. Pixar, which is its own thing. Um, what else? You know, just the Disney films in general. You know, Disney's had a film division since day one. So that's, you know, four different film divisions under the Disney banner. So with Warner Brothers, where even the comic book movies there had to go through the Warner Brothers film division, you know, now there's a DC Studios that doesn't have to go through that. They only answer to David Zaslav. And the two guys that are running it, uh, Peter Safran and James... Gun, uh, James Gunn is very, like I said, social media savvy, and just as soon as he had taken over, it's like, okay, you know, we're gonna sit down, we're gonna come up with an eight to ten year plan. Okay, and they've they've leaked little things. They tell you kind of what's going on. Like, okay, well, you know, we're gonna start the whole universe over. Um, Superman's gonna be a big priority currently writing a brand new Superman film. But come January, February 2023, you know, we're going to start announcing what our eight to 10 year plan is going to be, you know, at least announcing the first slate of things, you know, maybe the first couple of films to be, you know, greenlit or in development. And that's what I liked. It's like, okay, you know, they're sitting around, they're making a plan, but they're making the fan base, whether the fan base is happy, which, you know, I am, but there's a lot, again, there's that sort of toxic, you know, small group of people that just want to hate everything. But the bottom line, whether you like the idea or don't like the idea, there's a plan. So... I know the music business runs a little different or it runs differently from the movie business. I get that. But, you know, somebody from somewhere should say, hey, there's a plan. There needs to be a plan. And while we have no announcement of said plan, you know, other than. You know, at some point, hopefully 2023, we will get the Netflix documentary. Uh, 
outside of that, again, you know, there's been no announcement of anything that's been released. Um, you know, just like with DC, you know, prior to the announcement of who was going to actually be running DC Studios, you had these plans where Henry Cavill was coming back as Superman, Wonder Woman 3 was in development. But all of that's changed now. You know, those things are no longer happening. So I get it where maybe there was a Diamonds and Pearls Super Deluxe. Maybe there was a Parade Super Deluxe. Maybe there was a Symbol album Super Deluxe that was ready to roll. And now that Primary Wave has come in, the estate, you know, that half of it, they're all now the key decision makers decided to scrap those plans. Fine. But we need to hear some kind, you know, just to say, hey, you know, we're working on a plan. You know, would be just enough and say, hey, you know, come 2023, we're going to announce it. Or, hey, you know, there's this Netflix documentary. Now, whether they're excited about that prospect or not, that's, you know, good, bad, or indifferent, that's still coming. And just say, hey, once this is out, you know, we'll announce whatever, you know, 2024, 40th anniversary, Purple Rain, Super Deluxe, done right, you know, hopefully. So it got me to really kind of doing some digging. And while there, again, really isn't much to report, I decided, well, okay, the the heirs, you know, they are who they are. They're going to do what they're going to do. And I know there's been some frustrations about that. And I'm not going to get into you know, people's personalities, their individual, you know, um, whatever, you know, positive or negative. Um, But, you know, it's got me sort of thinking, not only as a fan, but as somebody that does a podcast on a consistent basis, you know, it, it got me thinking over the last few weeks. And there was one point where it was like, well, is this even fun to do anymore? Um, You know, thanks to everyone, you know, for their support to say, hey, you know, keep going, keep doing it. You know, thank you very much for that. And yeah, this this show will continue. And it is going to continue on the primary thing uh, primary see what I did there folks but it's going to continue on what this show was originally intended to do which was focus on the music you know the early promotion for this show was that oh it's not a breaking news show folks you know this is you know strictly about the music and that is going to be the main focus on this show this point forward. Um, 
you know, I mean, of course, if something exciting happens, you know, um, I've done episodes where it's like, oh, they've announced this. This is my reaction to it. These are my thoughts on it. Um, this album dropped. This is my review on it. You know, this film dropped. This is my review on it. You know, those things will continue. But, you know, all the other stuff, who said what to whom and why and when, I know kind of as we were going into the pandemic and everything just started going weird and crazy and everybody's on lockdown and stuff was coming up, you know, you know, there was commentary about it. But um, like I said, I think what what works for this show best is when we talk about the music and things that, you know, things that will affect the music. So with that said, I think, you know, like I said, the silence is really affecting the music. Um, so like I said, I tried to do some digging and like I said, I wasn't going to get into, you know, the whole, you know, the, the personal, <laughs> personal posts of certain individuals. Um, like I said, let's, you know, we'll keep it positive. We'll keep it fun. Um, but I figured, you know, is there something going on between the airs and primary wave? So started like, let me dig deeper. I know initially when Primary Wave first started coming into the picture, um, I'd done some, you know, I did some initial research and pretty much reasoned that, okay, they seem to be a pretty solid company. They've got a pretty good client base, a lot of legendary names that have been attached. And pretty much since the last couple of years, They've added even more to that, you know, including 50% control of the Prince estate. So uh, I went on their website and I didn't see a lot. Like when you go to, you know, they have like the artists that they represent. And when you click on Prince, it's pretty much you know the cliff notes of his entire career um, but it doesn't give any breaking news or any new information or any hints or leaks of anything coming uh, so I started digging deeper and deeper and then I find uh, this article in Variety and I think it's part of a podcast that they have uh called Strictly Business. Uh, but this Variety article, um, basically it just repeats verbatim the uh, introduction of the episode. Um, but they do interview uh, the CEO of Primary Wave. And I'll read the article, uh, but I'll have a link to where you can listen to the podcast. And I'll tell you what my thoughts on it were um, in just a moment. Uh, but this, again, this is a article in Variety. This was from October 19th of 2022. Primary Wave music founder Larry Mestel, or Mestel, 
on the booming song catalog market and how he plans to spend two billion dollars. That's two billion dollars. All right, so the article says Bruce Springsteen and Bob Dylan selling their catalogs for six hundred million. Genesis and Phil Collins for three hundred million. Stevie Nicks for one hundred million. Over the past few years, dozens of artists have sold their rights to their music catalogs for eight or nine figures. There are all kinds of reasons why this is happening. Artists are getting older and are basically estate planning. The pandemic proved that copyrights can be a great investment, and the booming market is bringing more and more buyers and sellers to the table. But what do you do with that catalog once you've bought it? The old approach was to basically sit and wait for the songs to make money through radio, sales, use in films or TV shows, or advertising campaigns, Broadway shows, and lots of other ways. But a more recent approach is to work aggressively to pitch those catalogs to drive up their value. And that's an approach that Primary Wave Music, led by founder and CEO Larry Mesto, has supersized since it was founded in 2006. Beginning with the Kurt Cobain song catalog and a few others, Primary Wave has since acquired catalogs from Bob Marley, Whitney Houston, James Brown, Stevie Nicks, Ray Charles, Hall & Oates, Bing Crosby, The Ramones, Luther Vandross, half of the Prince Estate, and dozens more. And although Primary Wave is technically a publishing company, they are just as much a marketing company, buying older catalogs with a proven track record and putting them to work in every way they can think of. Their 85-person staff specializes in everything from digital promotion and merchandising to film and television production, Broadway shows, and lots more. Okay. Um, all right. So the, uh, the final paragraph basically uh, discusses uh, Larry Mestel's um, background. Uh, he was a music industry um, excuse me, music industry executive. Um, and the two billion um, deal that was that's being discussed in this uh, podcast, uh, it's a two billion partnership, or excuse me, two billion dollar partnership with Brookfield Asset Management, uh, with CAA as a strategic partner uh, that will invest in even more catalog acquisition. Um, so I haven't done any research on Brookfield Asset Management or CEA. Uh, I might leave that for a future episode. Uh, but I will post a link to the um, podcast episode. 
Um, just some quick thoughts on it. Um, I was a little worried because as the sort of interview was going on, there was no mention of Prince. Um, they did mention James Brown. And I was like, oh, man, so this is really going to be quiet. Um, but the interviewer at the end did ask about the Prince estate. And I think one of the things, uh, there, there's spoilers to this. So if you want to first listen to the entire podcast episode, then jump back over here, by all means do that. But um, if you want to continue, by all means we'll continue. Uh, so, like I said, the interviewer at the very end asked about the Prince estate. And I think one of the things that sort of put me at ease uh, was that he did, you know, uh, Larry Metzl did admit that, yes, this was a very difficult situation because, you know, there was, you know, the, the two sides of, you know, both family, they weren't getting along. Um, it was really difficult, but now, um, they have come to, I guess, a pretty good, you know, they've come to an agreement and seems like it will be pretty seamless for them working together from this point forward. So that was the one thing, like I said, there's no leaks of any special projects, um, no announcements of super deluxe editions. Um, but again, when you listen to the entire episode and you learn about exactly what it is that they do and what they plan to do with these catalog acquisitions. Now, what's going on in the world today? You know, this type of thing would have been absolutely loathed, you know, 10, 15 years ago. Um, I would think, you know, most of listeners of Amari Purple Talk or just music fans in general, especially those of us at a certain age to where, yeah, it was about the, the, the album or the CD or how many times it was on the radio concerts and things like that but we do live in this age where there's this this branding or intellectual property it's the new currency now you know to where yeah having those songs in commercials having those songs in film having those songs you know turned into a broadway play or something or you know whatever way shape or form something can be marketed to continue to drive up that revenue. You know, uh, we're in the age of streaming, you know, all these new technological advances or the way that intellectual property can be utilized now. You know, it's a new ball game. But I think the difference is that you have these artists, whether it's the artists themselves or whether it's their, you know, the heirs that control an artist estate, you know, they're signing off on this stuff. You know, they're saying, okay, yeah, go ahead. And, you know, it's it's not like it was 
you know, 10, 15 years ago. You know, it's completely different now. Um, like I said, those of us at a certain age to where we're kind of like, oh, you know, Prince would have never allowed that. Now, granted, it's hard to tell what he would have thought in this, you know, <laughs> in this brand new age. You know, whether he would have been okay to sign his, you know, rights away and cash in or there's no telling. You know, there's there's no way of knowing or if he would have held out or if he would have tried to control the board himself. You know, he would have been his own one man primary wave for better or for worse. You know, it's it's hard to make those decisions, um, you know, just being an artist myself. You know, I don't have those kind of resources. You know, I don't have a team of people and it's so much, you know, and as much as I would just love to just create all day, every day, you know, there's still things like, okay, how do I get the stuff? How do I get this song on streaming? Okay. Now it's on streaming. Now I got to get people to listen to it and tune into it. Um, you know, I've got a project to finish, you know, but it's like, oh, you know, I've got this nine to five. I got to go to, to keep the lights on and the food on the table and, all this stuff, and it's like, okay, I can only record this day and that day, you know, um, working on comics, you know, I've only got this day and that day to, 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 to pencil and to ink and plan eight issues and let alone get the first book out, you know, so hopefully, you know, 2023, I get to do all that. But, you know, it, it's hard to make those decisions. And, you know, and like I said, who knows which way Prince would have gone? You know, would he would he have cashed in? Um, you know, and those deals wouldn't be infinite. You know, he could have negotiated something that says, OK, you know, give me 300 million. And for the next seven years, you do all that. Put this in that commercial, do that and turn this into a Broadway play. But after seven years, I get my rights back. Or, you know, I know like Neil Young had, he didn't sell all of his. I don't even think he did 50%. I forget what the percentage, but it was like a small percentage or a percentage. So he still retains ownership, you know, or he still gets a pretty sizable cut of any future royalties or that type of thing. You know, may, who knows? There's, there's no way of knowing what he would have done. But, you know, like I said, he's that he's that artist you know he's and then too you know he's that visionary there's only one prince there's only one james brown you know the the when it comes to the heirs you know it wasn't like oh this person was in the music industry too you know a lot of these people were just like either you know the spouse or the children or you know, family members that were working some kind of nine to five, you know, and maybe not even the best nine to five. And now you got millions of dollars on the table and you, you're the one that's tasked with trying to make those million dollar decisions without any music industry experience. No, you know, any one of us can sit and play Monday morning quarterback, you know, but 
trust me, you know, it it wouldn't be easy for anybody, even the most experienced music industry person to sit there and call those type of shots. I'm sorry. It, I don't care who you are. It's not going to, you know, it's not going to work. You know, it's not going to come that easy. You know, it's it's never that easy. And there's a lot of adversity and there's a lot of people coming at you because you got those millions on the table and they want a piece of those millions. You know, it's not like somebody's up to come rob you, but in a way they are, because like I said, there's millions of dollars on the table and everybody wants a piece of that pie. And, you know, you have to make decisions that will ensure that you're secure or your children, grandchildren, or whoever are secure. And like I said, it's it's not easy when, you know, even ordinary people, you know, have to just deal with, you know, your parents or your grandparents' house, or they didn't have a whole bunch of money in the bank, you know, but hey, you know, whether they had a will or not, and there's just a hundred bucks in that bank, you know, those are still decisions or grown-up decisions you would have to make. And they are never, ever easy. Never. So, with that being said, you know, um, I hope it's, you know, I'm glad that they're getting along. I'm glad that there is now a path to where they can work together because, I don't know. You know, like I said, I I really haven't just, you know, well, I put it this way, just on what I've seen from the website, listening to the podcast episode, that they seem to be, at least, you know, primary wave, they seem to be pretty good at what they do. And I feel confident that they can navigate this again, this sort of brand new age that we're in a lot better than a lot of other companies that have either had just music business experience, but it's still the status quo, not necessarily adapting to the changes that are being made. Um, You know, and I hope we get some very exciting product. So to that I will say, you know, we're we're in a holiday season, you know, regardless of what you celebrate, you know, it, this is still a transition period from one year to the next. And, you know, there's still, you know, there's a lot that's going on on this planet, you know, a, a lot, you know, um, won't get into the specifics, but, you know, if you've looked outside your window, you walked outside your door, you know, if you listen to your local or your national news, whatever, you know, you do your own research and make up your own mind about things and have control of your own mind, then you realize that, you know, it's a time to celebrate and be grateful for getting to see this day in the first place. And that you have people around you that you're happy that they're around and breathing. And all the other stuff, whether it's material, whatever it is, you know, it's just a bonus. It's just an extra, you know, it's not the be all and end all. You know, there's ways to give happiness and to to give love, (laughs) 
and stuff like that. So, you know, that being said, I'm going to I'm going to remain very optimistic. Like I said, I'm glad that the path is open to where whatever they agree on, that they will all agree on a thing and that will come out and it will have pretty packaging and it would look good and it would sound good. You know, I'm I'm still excited for the Netflix documentary. I think that's the the number one thing that I'm excited for, you know, coming up with 2023. Um, I think, again, everything that will come after that, I think it will be exciting. I think it will I think it would please the majority of the fan base. You know, like I said, it's. You know, I think the one thing to also take away, too, is to just not take it personally. You know, if it's not your favorite project or if you're your favorite time period or whatever. Um, you know, like I said, for me, the the joy has been the evolutionary journey. You know, it's easy for me to say, oh, when I was 15, you know. The only thing that was out was Dirty Mind. You know, two months later, controversy came along <laughs> from my perspective. You know, now there's people that have been there since for you. But to watch that unfold, you know, it's like, yeah, you know, at 15, Dirty Mind was great. You know, controversy was great. You know, 16, 1999, it was great. You know, the time, what time is it? Vanity Six, all of that was great. But then it was like, oh, what's this? You know, fast forward some years. Oh, Sign of the Times? Wow, this is great too. You know, after Love Sexy, that was great too. You know, um, Batman, that was great too. You know, I mean, I like some stuff on Diamonds and Pearls. I like some stuff on the Symbol album. Um... You know, if they announce that again tomorrow, it's not like, oh, how dare they? Oh, I want more of what I had when I was 16. No, I'm not, you know, I'm like, I'm going, it's going to get my purple croutons. And yeah, like something like a Planet Earth, which is, again, it's my least favorite Prince album. It's at, you know, the bottom of the list of Prince albums for me. But if they announced the Super Deluxe Edition and if the, it had some very interesting things on it, it's getting my Purple Croutons too. You know, that's the beauty of it. It's just the evolution. And also to the beauty of it that there is something for everybody and that there will be something for everybody. Um, like I said, you know, refer to the last three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten episodes of this show to where, you know, constantly reinforcing all the other states and depending on how long they've been in existence there's stuff that is coming that has come out in 2022 you know on top of something that has come out once a year or twice a year depending on that particular artist you know that the world is hearing for the very first time and yes some of those people we're talking about, they were teenagers or they were in college back in the 1960s and early 70s. 
and here it is 2022 and there's a revolver super deluxe edition you know not that anybody was thinking about box sets in the 1970s but you know there's times i remember like you know heck if i had the intelligence and the resources and the money to come out was like oh man i wish you know they would have this to be able to do that with or i can hear music this way or do it that way you know we all have had those thoughts you know we've had those thoughts it just took somebody to actually come up with the actual technology to bring it about so 10 15 20 30 40 50 years later you know here that thing is we live in that world you know or we used to watch whatever star trek or we watched the jetsons and go oh you know wow wouldn't it be cool to have that fast forward 40 50 years here it is we have it and you know that's just the reality of legacy artists period you know it's like and stop worrying about oh i'm gonna be erred when this happens just worry about being healthy and around and enjoying what you can it's like you know what they say the big joke you know if you really sat in the vault it could be a hundred years before you heard everything in the vault well you know what hey you know if it cuts off at 75 80 90 95 100 and I'm good <laughs> it's all good you know but that's not to you know that's not to be a downer on anything it's just really the the thing is to enjoy the moment remember one day there was not a 1999 super deluxe and then at one point one existed you know I remember 2004 being part of the MPG Music Club. And I know I wasn't alone, but hey, you know. Prince, Sign of the Times, box set. We want it. We need it. And you know, he was sitting there. <laughs> we, You know, if he was still around, we would never have a 1999 Super Deluxe or a Sign of the Times Super Deluxe whatsoever. We would, he would just dangle that as a carrot while... He pushes the next album and we'll drop our purple ducats and croutons for that next album. You know, we would have. So, you know, I'm cool with this. Actually, like I've always said in episodes as well, I trade it all in just to have him back. So we that stuff would still be in the vault and we would just have the little crappy bootlegs. But here he's dropping that new album where he's on that tour. You know, I trade all of this in for that in a heartbeat. So going to end that episode on this note. Um, 2022 has been absolutely amazing. Not a, not a lot of print stuff, but on a personal level, this was great. This was a, a quantum leap forward. Um, many and a huge albatross has been removed. And, you know, just trying to keep things moving forward and to try to make 2023 a step or two better than 2022. Um, with that said, you know, thank you everyone for tuning in. Um, 
season four of this show. Second half will commence in January, you know, sometime in January. Um, but before then, you can look forward to a couple of CD versus vinyl on YouTube. Um, also, the launch of a new podcast called Amari Album Cut uh, that will debut on Patreon. So to get a jump on that, become a Patreon supporter at regardless of whatever level. You can go in as little as $1 and get some Mari Purple Talk goodness and Mari Album Cut goodness for the new year. Uh, also, too, uh, We Funk, which originally was a single from what I was calling the Resurrection EP. Um, it will now be on the funky poetic bootlegs project um, putting the finishing touches on that album itself and looking forward to getting it to sound the way I always wanted it to before moving on to the other stuff but we funk and then save yourself uh, will be on your favorite streaming podcast platform um Thanks for checking that out. Um, you know, pretty good stream so far, but yes, by all means, check it out. Um, if not, you know, pass it along, share it for the person that will get into it. But thanks for checking that out as well. So until mid to late January 2023, be safe. Enjoy your holiday or holidays. Enjoy your day. Also, create your day and create your life. Peace. Peace.